Next Chapter Podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hey, Play On Podcast listeners. I want you to be a part of the cast. Become a supporting cast member with Play On Podcasts for just $5 a month. Get in-depth interviews featuring some of the most brilliant artists working today. I talk to actors, playwrights, directors, and producers from the worlds of theater and Hollywood, pulling back the curtain on why they got into their profession, why these stories are so relevant today, and providing context on the process of making these plays in the podcast format. You'll enjoy ad-free episodes of the Play On podcast series and maybe even a gift or two. Head over to playonpodcasts.com, click Supporting Cast, and join the club today. We so love creating this content for you, and we hope you'll support us so we can bring you inside this rejuvenated, reimagined Shakespearean world. Join the cast, Supporting Cast. Go to ncpodcasts.com. Next Chapter Podcasts presents the Play On podcast series, Henry V. Episode 3, La Bouche est de Mouf. For the best listening experience, be sure to use headphones or earbuds. And don't forget, St. Crispin's Day. Ambassadors from Harry, King of England, do crave admittance to your majesty, the King of France, and the ears of your court. Go, and bring them. You see how near their chase becomes now, friends. Face them full, father, and they will stop this. For coward dogs tire quickest when their prey so outpaces them. Good, my sovereign, hit the English hard now, and let them know of what a monarchy you are the head. Self-love, my liege, is not so vile a sin as self-neglect. From our brother of England. From him. And thus he greets your majesty. He wills you, in the name of God Almighty, that you divest yourself and return all the borrowed glories that by gift of heaven, by law of nature and nations, belong to him and to his heirs, namely, any and all assets and claims that may pertain by custom and ordinance of the times to the crown of France. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so that you may know, tis no sinister nor unlawful claim from arcane dust of ancient history. He sends you this full genealogy. 
with every branch truly demonstrated. Analyze this document thoroughly, as you will find him rightly descended from his most famed of famous ancestors, Edward III. He thus bids you resign your crown and kingdom unjustly held from him, the true and native king of France. Or else what follows? Bloody constraint. For if you hide the crown, even in your heart, there will he dig for it. Therefore in fierce tempest is he coming, in thunder and earthquake like God himself. If this demand is not here met, he'll come. He bids you, in the bowels of the Lord, deliver up the crown and take mercy on the poor souls for whom this hungry war will swallow whole. Deliver up the crown to save the widow's tears, the orphan's cries, the dead men's blood, the pining maiden's groans, for husbands, fathers, and betrothed lovers that shall be swallowed up in this conflict. This is his claim, his threat, and my message. Unless the Dauphin be in presence here, I bring a further greeting, just for him. For us, we will consider on this further. Tomorrow you will bear our full intent back to Brother England. For the Dauphin, I shall stand for him. What to him from England? Scorn and defiance. Slight regard. Contempt. And any curse that does not belittle the mighty sender. For tis all your worth. Thus says my king, and if your father's highness does not concede every demand at large, thus sweetening the bitter mock you sent, he will deliver such violent reply that all the caves and vaulted tombs of France shall echo back your insolent scolding in full accordance of his just command. Mm. Say, if my father sends a fair response, it is against my will, for I desire nothing but war with England. To that end, as matching to his youth and vanity, I did present him with our Paris balls. He'll make your Paris Louvre shake for it. He cares not if it's the jewel of Europe. And be assured, you will find a difference, as we his subjects have in wonder found between the promise of his greener days and those he masters now. Now he rules his time to the utmost grain. Such shall you read in your list of fallen French, if you dare. Tomorrow shall you know our mind at full. Dispatch us with all speed, or else our king may come himself to question our delay. Be warned. His feet are on France already. You shall be dispatched in reasonable time. One night is but small breath and little pause to answer matters of such consequence. On imaginary wings now, our scene shall fly as quick as your thoughts will allow. Suppose you've seen this well-appointed king launch from Dover Pier with royal fanfare, his brave fleet fanning the bold morning sun with its silken flags and banners of stream. Now, let your fancy run wild and behold, ship boys climbing up the masts on coiled rope, hear the shrill whistle calling the chaos to attention. Behold the woven sails pulled taut from the invisible wild wind. 
drawing the ship's huge keel through furrowed sea, cresting on the surge of these lofty waves. Oh, imagine you stand on shore and see a dancing city on inconstant waves, for so appears this fleet majestical. It holds due course to Harfleur. Follow it. Follow and grapple your mind to the stern of this navy. Leave your England still as night to be guarded by grandparents and babes. Those either passed or not arrived to strength, for what man old enough to show even one hair upon his chin would not follow this select band of cavaliers to France? Work. Work your thoughts, and therein. See a siege. Watch artillery wheeled up by carriage fatal mouths agape at the walls of Harfleur. Suppose the ambassador from the French comes back, tells Harry that the king doth offer him Catherine, his daughter, and with her as dowry some petty and unprofitable dukedoms. The offer likes not. So, see a nimble gunner, torch in hand igniting the devilish cannon, and down goes all before them. Still be kind and eke out our performance with your mind. Once more unto the breach, dear friends, once more! Or close up the wall with our English dead. In peace, there's nothing so becomes a man as modest stillness and humility. But when the blast of war blows in our ears, then imitate the action of the tiger. Stiffen the sinews, summon up the blood. Disguise fair nature with hideous rage. Arm your eyes with a sight so revolting. Let them pry out the portholes of your head like brass cannons. Let your brows overwhelm them, drenched and demolished like rocks, beaten and battered by the wild ocean's wasteful waves. Grit your teeth, inflame your nostrils air, hold hard your breath, and bend up your spirit to fullest height. On, on, you noblest English! Your blood is drawn from fathers glorious, fathers who like the great Alexander did fight here in France from morn to evening, ne'er ceasing until all their wars were won! Dishonor not your mothers. Prove right now the men you call fathers did forget you! for those of weaker blood! Teach them how to war! And you, working men, whose limbs were made in England, show us here what stuff you're made of. Let us see that you are worthy of your breeding. I doubt it not, for there are none of you so low and base that you lack noble luster in your eyes. I see you stand like greyhounds in the slips, straining to break free. Oh, the game's a fucked. Follow your spirit, and upon this torch, cry God for Harry, England, and St. George! Pray they, Corporal Barov, stay. The battle's too hot. And as for me, I, I have not a case of lives. It's too hot. And that is the very plain truth of it. 
I, Nim, barred off the plain truth is true. And such truth surrounds us with a plain truth song. <clears throat> Wars may come and go, men may live and die, with sword and shield and bloody field, immortal by and by. I wish I were in an alehouse in London. I would give all my fame for a pot of ale and safety. Oh, so would I. If wishes could avail me, my purpose would not fail me, and onward could I go. So, so duly, duly but and truly, do birds split to and fro. Up to the breach, you dogs! No. Move on, you collies! Oh, 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 be merciful, great uh, dude! We are but mortals! Oh. Abate thy rage! Abate thy man uh, rage! What? Abate thy rage! Great Duke! Oh. Good Barcock, abate thy rage! Be gentle, sweet Chuck! We speak sweetly, your honor speaks bitter. As young as I am, I have studied these three braggarts. I serve all three of them, but of the three, not a one could be my master, for three such fools do not amount to one man. For Bardolph, he is white-livered and red-faced. This means he talks tough, but fights not. For Pistol, his tongue is murderous, but his sword is impotent. This means he can ruin words, yet keep his weapon untouched. For Nim, he has heard that men of few words are the best men, and therefore he will not even say his prayers, lest he be thought a coward. But his few bad words are matched with his few good deeds, for he never broke any man's head but his own, and that was against a post when he was drunk. They will steal anything and call it earnings. Bardolph stole a loot case, carried it for years, and sold it for three halfpence. Nim and Bardolph are sworn brothers in theft. In Calais, they stole a bedpan. Twas then I knew they carried filth. They would have me as familiar with a man's pockets as his mind or character. This insults my manhood, for to take from another's pocket and put into mine is plain pocketing up of wrongs. I must leave them and seek some better service. Their villainy goes against my weak stomach, and therefore I must expel it. To the breach, a pig, a dog! Captain Flewellen, you must come presently to the tunnels. The Duke of Gloucester would speak with you. To the tunnels, Captain Gower. Tell the Duke it is not so good to come to the tunnels, for look, the tunnel is not built well enough for purpose of war. The concavity of it is not sufficient. You must explain this to the Duke, see, for the enemy has dug his own tunnels four yards under ours. By Cheshire, this should all be dug up and collapsed again if we have no better strategy. The Duke of Gloucester, who commands this siege, is being advised by an Irishman, a very valiant gentleman, of faith. It is Captain McMorris, is it not? Think it be. Oh, Cheshire, he is an ass. A world-class ass, and I will say that to his beard. Of basic wartime strategy, see of ancient Roman discipline, see he knows as much as a puppy dog. Here he comes, and the Scots captain, Captain Jamie, with him. Captain Jamie's a marvelous, valorous gentleman, that is certain. He has great awareness and knowledge of the ancient wars, I can tell from his actions. But Jesu, he will maintain his position on the disciplines of the pristine wars of the Romans, as well as any military man in the world. 
I say, good day, Captain Flo Island. Good evening to your worship, good Captain James. How now, Captain McMorris? Have you left the tunnels? Have the miners given up? By Christ, lads, it's badly done. The work is stopped, the trumpet sounded the retreat. By my hand, I swear, and my father's soul, the work is badly done. It is stopped! Christ, save me! Lord. Oh, I could have blown up the town in an hour. If not for it all, tis badly done. Captain McMorris, I beseech you now, will you permit me, look you, a bit of discussion with you as partly touching or concerning the disciplines of the war. The Roman wars, for the sake of argument, oh, I... look you, and friendly communication, partly to satisfy my opinion and partly for the satisfaction, look you, of my mind, <laughs> as touching the topic of military discipline. That is the point. It shall be very good, good faith, good captain's boat, and I shall quit you with good leave as I may pick occasion that I shall have married. Tis no time for such discourse. Christ save me! The day is hot with the weather and the wars and the king and the dukes. It is no time for discourse. The town is besieged and the trumpet calls us to the breach and we talk and by Christ do nothing. Tis shame upon us all. When there are throats to be cut and works to be done, and yet we done nothing, so Christ save me, lad. Aye, by the mass, ere these eyes of mine take themselves to slumber, I'll do good service or I'll lie in the ground for it. Aye, or go to death, and I'll pay it as valorously as I may. That shall I surely do. That is the breath and the long. Mary, I would full fain hear some question to you today. Captain McMorris, I think, look at you, unless I am wrong, there are not many of your nation. Of my nation? What is my nation? Who talks of my nation is a villain, and a bastard, and a knave, and a rascal. Look you, if you take the matter otherwise than is meant, Captain McMorris, tis possible I shall think you do not treat me with the affability of discretion which you ought to treat me, see? I'm as good a man as yourself, both in the study and ancient discipline of war, and in the derivation of my birth, and in other particularities. I do not know you so good a man as myself, so Christ save me, I will cut off your head! Gentlemen both, you mistake each other. Aye, that's a foul fault. The French call for a parley. Captain McMorris, when there's better opportunity, look you, I will be so bold as to show you all I know about the disciplines of war. And there is an end. governor of the town decided this is the last parley we will allow so give yourselves to this our best mercy or else defy us to our worst and beg for destruction for as i am a soldier a name that in my thoughts becomes me best if i begin the battery once again i will not leave the half-conquered harfleur till in her ashes she lies buried the gates of mercy shall be all shut up with the taste of blood fresh inside their mouths. I will grant my soldiers full liberty to do whatever their hell-wide conscience might inspire them. To mow down like grass your fresh, fair virgins, your flowering infants. Tis nothing to me. 
Tis but impious war arrayed in flames like the devil himself besmirched in his complexion. So from him shall come fell feats of waste and destruction. What is it to me when you yourselves are cause if your pure maidens fall into the hands of brutal and forced violation? We, we cannot contain such licentious evil if you give it your implied approval. We, we, we may as well call a shark to come ashore than waste our command trying to deny these enraged men their right to sweet spoils of victory. Therefore, you men of Harfleur, take pity on your town and on your people while I still hold such command over my men. While the cool and temperate wind of grace still has power to blow away the dark clouds of heady murder, spoil, and villainy. If not, why, in a moment, look to see these blind and bloody soldiers with foul hands defile the locks of your shrill, shrieking daughters. Your fathers? taken by their silver beards and their most revered heads dashed against walls. Your naked infants mounted upon spikes while their grieving mothers howl so loudly as to break clouds like wives of Judea watching the slaughter of the innocents. What say you? Will you yield and this avoid, or guilty in defense be thus destroyed? Today, our resistance is defeated. The Dauphin, whom we begged for more support, tells us his powers are insufficient to raise so great a fight. Therefore, great king, we yield our town and lives to thy soft mercy. Enter our gates. Dispose of us and ours, for we no longer are defensible. Open your gates. Come, Uncle Exeter. Go you and enter Harfleur. There remain and fortified strongly against the French. Use mercy to them all. For us, dear uncle, the winter approaches and sickness spreads among our soldiers. We will retire to Calais. Tonight in Harfleur we will be your guest. Tomorrow for the march we are addressed. Alice, tu as été en Angleterre et tu parles bien le langage. On peut, Madame Catherine. Je te prie, monseigneur, il faut que j'apprenne à parler. Comment appelez-vous euh, la main en anglois? La main? Elle est appelée the hand. The hand. Et les doigts? Les doigts. Ma foi, j'oublie les doigts. Mais je me souviendrai. Les doigts, je pense qu'ils sont appelés the fingers. Oui, the fingers. La main, the hand. Les doigts, the Fingers. Je pense que je suis une bonne écolière. J'ai gagné deux mots d'anglois vitement. Comment appelez-vous le pouce? 
Le pouce, nous les éplons de tombe. Ta tombe. Ta tombe et le pouce. Écoutez, dites-moi si je parle bien. De hand, mm -hmm. de fingers et de tombe. Mm -hmm. C'est bien dit, madame. Il est très <rire> bon anglais. Dites-moi l'anglois pour euh, la bouche. La bouche et de mouth, madame. La bouche est de mouth. Et le coude? Le coude est de elbow. <rire> de mouth et de elbow. Mm -hmm. Je m'en fais la répétition de tous les mots que vous m'avez appris dès à présent. C'est trop difficile, madame, comme je pense. Excusez-moi, Alice, écoutez. De hand, mm -hmm. de fingers, de Tombe, de mouth, de dado. De, de elbow, madame. Oh, Seigneur Dieu, je m'en oublie. De elbow. Euh, comment appelez-vous le bras? De oh, oh, arm, madame. De arm. Et euh, la tête? De head. De head et la tête. Le coude et la dado. De tombe et le pouce. La bouche est de mouth. Oui, sauf votre honneur, en vérité, vous prononcez les mots aussi droits que les natifs d'Angleterre. Je ne doute point d'apprendre par la grâce de Dieu et un peu de temps. N'avez-vous pas déjà oublié ce que je vous ai enseigné? Non, je réciterai à vous promptement. The hand, the fingers, the thumb. <rire> the thumb, madame. De thump, de mouth, de elbow. Sauf votre honneur, de elbow. Oh, ainsi dis-je, de elbow, de arm et de head. Oh. Comment appelez-vous le pied et la robe? De foot, madame, et de gown. De foot et de gown? Oh, Seigneur Dieu! Ce sont mots de son mauvais, corruptible, gros et impudique, et non pour les dames d'honneur à utiliser. Je ne voudrais prononcer ces mots devant les seigneurs de France pour tout le monde. Le foot et le gown. Bien moi, je réciterai une autre fois ma leçon ensemble. Da tombe et la pousse. La bouche et da mouth, da elbow et la coude, la tête et da head, mm -hmm. de foot, de gown. <rire> Excellent, madame. <rire> C'est assez pour une fois. Allons-nous à dîner. <rire> Tis certain he has passed the river Somme. And if we do not fight him there, King Charles, we cannot call ourselves French. Uh. We should quit and give our vineyards to the barbarous English. Oh, Dieu vivant, do these English not know they are bastards descended from French seed? Normans. <laughs> they are bastard Normans. Norman bastards. What de ma vie? Du de bataille, how have they such metal? Is not their climate foggy, raw, and dull? Does the sun not shine but pale upon them, killing their fruit with frowns? Can that dirty barley water they drink, though it is unfit for even worn-out horses, taste so bad it brings their cold blood to valiant boil? How shall our lively blood, spirited with wine, seem cold? 
Oh, for the honor of our land, let us not hang like frozen icicles upon our house's thatch, while these more frosty English do burn through our rich fields, dripping with the sweat of their gallant youth. Our madams mock at us and plainly say our metal has been bred out. They will give their bodies to the lusty English youth and populate France with bastard warriors. They say we belong in English dancing schools and bid us learn the acrobatic arts, for they say our grace is just in our heels, like some high-born but unmanly cowards. Where is Montjoy the Herald? Send him hence. Let him greet England with our full defiance. Up, princes! And with spirit of honor edged as sharp as your swords march now to battle. Charles de la Breth, High Constable of France, you, Dukes of Orleans, Bourbon, and Berry, Alençon, Brabant, Bar, and Burgundy. High Dukes! Great princes, barons, lords, and knights. In the name of each estate, quit your shame. Stop this hairy England who sweeps through France with flags painted by the blood of Harfleur. Rush on his army like the melted snow upon the valleys, spitting forceful bile downward onto everything below it. Go, bring him down. You have power enough. Take him captive by chariot to Rouen. He shall be my prisoner. This befits your highness. Sorry I am, his numbers are so few, his soldiers sick and famished in their march, for I am sure when he shall see our army, he'll drop his heart into the sink of fear and beg to pay a ransom for his life. Lord Constable, dispatch Montjoy with speed. Let him say to England that we demand to know what ransom he will pay to us. Ha <laughs> ha! Prince Dauphin, you shall stay here in Rouen. Not so. I do beseech your majesty. Be patient, for you shall remain with us. Now go, Lord Constable, and princes all, and quickly bring us word of England's fall. The Play On Podcast Series, Henry V, was translated into modern English verse by Lloyd Soar and directed by Krista Williams. The cast is as follows. Bobby Moreno as Henry V. Brad Bellamy as Fluellen. Paco Tolson as Dolphin and others. Nikki Masood as Catherine, Boy and others. Steve Boyer as Pistol, Colleen Worthman as Exeter and others, Jeff Beale as Constable and others, Brittany K. Allen as Gower and others, Andy Lucien as Bardolph and others, Socorro Santiago as Hostess and others, Jordan Barbour as the King of France and others. Lloyd Saw as the chorus and Williams. Casting by the Telsey office, Karen Castle, CSA, and Ada Karamanian. Voice and text coach, Julie Foe. Episode scripts were adapted and produced by Catherine Eaton. Original music composition, sound design, and mix by Shane Reddick. Sound engineering by Sadaharu Yagi. Mix engineer and dialogue editor, Larry Walsh. 
and Robert McNabb. Podcast mastering by Greg Cortez at New Monkey Studio. Coordinating producer, Transcend Streaming, Kira Bowie and Liana Keyes. Script supervisor, Jordan Moore. Managing producer, Robert Capadona. Executive producer, Michael Goodfriend. The senior manager of business operations and partnerships at Next Chapter Podcasts is Sally Cade Holmes. The play on podcast series Henry V is produced by Next Chapter Podcasts and is made possible by the generous support of the Hits Foundation. Visit ncpodcasts.com for more about the play on podcast series. Visit playonshakespeare.org for more about Play on Shakespeare. Hear more about the Play on Shakespeare podcast series by listening to bonus content at ncpodcasts.com, where you'll find interviews with the artists, producers, and engineers who brought it all to life. And don't forget, St. Crispin's Day. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Next Chapter Podcasts.